Hi, everyone, and welcome to Storybook the Podcast. I am so happy to have Brahmini Liebman on today. She's a yoga, meditation, and mindfulness teacher, and she's been in this field for decades. Brahmini, thank you so much for being here. And if there's more you'd like to tell us about yourself and your path to where you got where you are, I would love for you to share that with us. Hi, Heidi. Thank you. I'm so delighted that you asked me to join you. It's a delight. And I think during these times also to have connection with others, you know, we're all figuring out how to do that. So this is a, it's an auspicious time. It's a challenging time. It's an unprecedented time, you know, and it is really also, as I'm just, just coming to me, it's just a time of deep reflection and contemplation about our lives and what's valuable and important. And so I've been thinking about that. And I, I remember today that I was young and I was pregnant with my first child who is now in his 40s. And I found a little book on yoga because I wanted to do something good for myself. And I found a little book on yoga and then I saw a teeny tiny little ad in the local newspaper for yoga class because, you know, it was a very different thing then. And I had been on a path and exploring inner dimensions, you know. And so I went to the yoga class and there was this most charming woman, an English woman. And I looked at her and I thought, wow, I have never met anyone like that. I, in fact, did not even know that was possible. You know, like the movie, uh, Harry Met Sally, you know, I'll have whatever she's having. And uh, <laughs> really, like, I want what she's got. And Pat Laster, and she remained in, until she left this world, a, a very special being in my life. And, and so I, I just came to classes a lot and I noticed my life managing with a little more ease, you know, and taking care of my body. And she was charming and lovely. And I loved being in my body in a, in a new way, you know. Um, Zumba, they didn't have Zumba, but what were they? The aerobic classes and those were just not working for me. They just didn't, they just didn't, I didn't connect. And then I went to yoga and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm home now. You know, I know how to be in this body. And so that was my beginning. And then over the years, I just started feeling like I need to, I really want to go deeper in this. What do I do? And I asked her and I asked her about, someone mentioned me, well, maybe you should go do a teacher training. I'm like, I didn't even know those existed, you know? And I asked her, and in her way, she said, darling, you'll know. Just look around. You'll figure it out. Not helpful, really. I'm like, no, tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. And um, there were these local news. There were newspapers in those days. We didn't have, I'm really dating myself, Heidi, but we didn't have the internet. You know, we either had to look in the telephone book or newspapers for things. And I was in Manhattan and there was a, a new agey kind of newspaper. And I started looking and I found all these places to look up. And they mostly were yoga ashrams. They weren't yoga studios. And I called around and the only one that called me back was Kripalu. 
And I had a conversation with this gentleman. I remember his name well, go cool. We became good friends. And I, I had this experience. I got off the phone and my heart like just leapt, you know, it was like, oh, you know, I just felt so much love and welcoming and, and my poor husband home with a five-year-old and 10-year-old, you know, he's like, sure, sweetie, go do a week. I'm like, well, you know, what do you think about a month? And <laughs> I did. And that, and I didn't go because I wanted to teach, to be honest with you. I went because I just wanted to dive in, in here and learn more and learn more about myself and learn more about the path. And I was so inspired by it that I had to share it. May I ask a quick question just so I'm aware? So at that point, where was Kripalu located? Yeah, so Kripalu was located, I went to Sumnytown, but Kripalu was in Sumnytown and in Lenox, right? But um, I ended up going to Sumnytown, which for those of you who don't know was, was teeny tiny. We were the only program and there were only 20 of us in the program. So it was a real immersion into living that life. You know, total of us in the whole place was probably about 50 people. So we were part of the community, really different than when we go now. And as I'm teaching yoga teacher trainings with 40 and 60 and hundreds of people in the center, you know? So it, I, and I loved it. Like I just dropped in, you know, probably if I wasn't, you know, married, with kids, I would have been one of the residents living there, you know? Um, and I just, so I had to share. And that's, and that's how it continued. I kept coming to Kripalu and kept learning and opened a studio. I started teaching, then opened studio. And I just made, it was part of my life. Um, yeah. That's amazing. And I really, that's interesting to hear that it was such a small, small, small training for you back then. And really the idea of going because you wanted to drop in more and that you kept mentioning feeling good in your body and talking about just this charming, lovely yoga teacher who you had and, and you said, I want what she's having because I think that that's, I will tell you one of the most fascinating things about my journey in yoga and meditation and it's generally through Kripalu is that I feel the same way that the people that I meet and the way that they treat me especially if I meet someone new who's been at Kripalu for a while been really practicing there's usually something about their personality or the way they treat me that I'm like humans can be like that what like how are you being so the level of compassion and kindness and this isn't to say something about other people because I have, you know, amazing other friends and family. There's something, like you said, though, special about the way someone looks at me or the way someone, there's this compassion and kindness and all those adjectives you used, including like love bursting open and all of this. It's very special. And I think that's one of the things why these practices can continue when, that, when that's part of the ingredients. It's part of that. So what I'm interested in, as you've told that story, is... How have you felt that all of that, all of your experience, maybe first you could tell us a little bit more of the various ways that you've been teaching these recent years, because you teach a lot, and it would be good, I think, for, for us to just hear a little bit about the different places and the ways you've been teaching, and then maybe talk about if you started because you were wanting to go deep, you weren't starting because you wanted to be a teacher, how do you feel that's helped you recently? 
Okay. There's a lot of questions there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> pull out, pull out, pull out what landed. <laughs> I will. Um, so uh, let's just take it to this moment for now, and then we can backtrack a little bit. So I'll do both actually. So over the years, I continue to teach and learn, you know, learn and teach or learn and share. And yoga was a big part. Then meditation came in through yoga, of course. But then I went a number of years later on a Vipassana retreat to insight meditation. And that was a really big turning point in my life. I had a huge opening at the end of that retreat and I recognized, oh, I wasn't trying, no one tried to create an experience for me. I didn't have to do very much. All I had to do was sit and walk and sit and walk and listen and sit and walk some more. And insights and energy and everything that happened in, I'm not downplaying my yoga experience, but that, you know, create an experience in a different way. And so I, I saw the, the intermingling of those practices. They were no longer separate at all. Um, and so my yoga teaching took on a big meditative component, component. I also trained as a Phoenix Rising yoga therapist, which if you know it, it is, it is not the yoga therapy of fixing the body, but really the 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 mindful approach and the emotional and psychological you know through the body and so that brought that way of what's really happening here can i be present in this body in this mind in this heart can i report out and recognize what's happening and do i have choices and how i'm responding and so what I kept learning then through the meditation practice, very much the Buddhist path, were ways to look at contemplation of body and mind and heart and some really skillful ways to navigate it. You know, and I love listening to teachings and then something, you know, the Buddhists are big on giving lists and teachings and I would you know, remember, take this teaching and remember it. And you know how teachings go that they may not show up in the moment of you're doing them or remembering them, but somewhere along your life, there you are stuck in something and a practice shows up or a teaching shows up and it takes me out of my stuck place, right? Hope, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, right? And so... And I would say that that was true. You know, life comes along. I'm learning how to manage. How do I want to communicate? Can I be really clear with that it's what's, how I am responding to the situation without blaming another, you know? And, and Amrit Desai, who was the guru at the time, always said um, at Kripalu, you know, life comes along and your reaction has about 10% to do with what's happening now and 90% to do with what's happened in the past, right? <laughs> so it really asks us to take the lens inward, you know? Um, and so most recently, and you know this, Heidi, there I, I was, um, we've been spending a lot of time in California and where we were staying were near the fires, the big glass fire and uh, our, our home was burned to the ground. 
and it happened within hours. We were evacuated and within hours, everything, it was my landlord's place was gone. You know, I wish they could see the video because I have this poignant photo that came my way. And the photo, if you can visualize, is a stone Buddha that sat at the foot of my steps. And it is the only thing that remained. And around that Buddha is just rubble. It's like a, a war zone. But I got that picture and it was so compelling, I think is the word. I just kept looking at it and looking at it. And I was like, ah, that is exactly how I feel. The Buddha, the Buddha remains. I am here. I am safe. Everything is just things. And some of it's heartbreaking because it's memories and all of that. But it's just stuff. But there is a, and it's like brought all of my years of practice to connect to my essence, connect to my center, to know that I have it. Like I am here. And when I'm not, I can touch the earth. Like the, that was my practice for, it still is. But, you know, the Buddha sat on the night of his enlightenment, you know, and he touched the earth. And they say, Mara, you know, all of the delusions showed up. And he said, Mara, you cannot harm me. I see you clearly. And he touched the earth and he said, the earth is my witness. I am here. And that, and I could sit and I could feel anxiety, you know, besides my, the home burning down, the climate of our world and our country and all of that, this sometimes small anxiety and sometimes huge anxiety. And I was like, okay. And I touched the earth, like the earth is my witness. I am here, I am safe. I'm here, I'm now, I'm safe. And I could be in the middle of the fire. It's like I was the Buddha sitting in the middle of the fire. And, and I think we all are that. It just become so important. Like we all have fires in our life all the time. Sometimes they're little tiny fires and sometimes they're huge raging fires but we have an essence, I have an essence that can sit in the middle of it, even when I'm unsettled, you know? Um, and so, so many teachings and it's like, okay, this is the big spiritual moment, you know, like you lost everything, you know? And I, I say sometimes, I, I sometimes feel like I shouldn't be doing as well as I am, you know? And I'm not telling you it's easy. It's sometimes really hard. And sometimes so many beautiful gifts are coming away. People are so loving and generous. And our hearts are bursting open to learn to receive. Can I learn to receive? Oh, just, just say thank you. Just say that. And wow. So that's what we're being showered in. And I, and I feel that either I am in the fruition of all of my years of practice, or I was just born this way, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we ultimately, I mean, ultimately, I think we are born that way and then life comes along and it changes probably because I didn't always feel the way I feel now. But I do feel I am so grateful to my years of practice and teachings and teachers and, uh, you know, and, and community just buoying me up right here, right now. Um, and so that's, and this pandemic, 
you know, I, I started teaching online, which I hadn't done since I left my studio in New York. And it's been great. I just love it because I've missed having that weekly or, and even when I don't see people, I, I feel like I'm, I'll date myself again. Sherry Lewis, years ago we were kids and she would say, I see you and I see you through the television, you know, and I see you and I see you. And that's what I do when I'm sitting in front of a camera. I just see my people and um, just share and practice together. So did I cover those questions? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did cover them. And, and just, and I also want to say you were, first of all, I love descriptions of things. I love when people really describe what they're seeing and feeling and experiencing. And I feel that you did that so well with the image because I did see the image you're talking about the Buddha and the Buddha remains. So just to let people know that if they go to your YouTube channel, they can get to see that photo and they can, you know, see these other videos. And I want to say you described it so beautifully just now anyway, getting to hear your description of that photo and how it, it really, what it, brought up for you and how compelling the photo was and the message and I have to say that it's a really powerful message to also hear you're saying a couple of things there one you feel like maybe you shouldn't be doing as well as you are which I think totally would make sense for anyone to think that and also that combination that you pointed to of years and years of practice plus community and then plus the challenge which some people may not be aware of is really hard it is very hard to receive. I think that many of us try so hard to be independent. I know there's so many different ways. I am constantly trying that and wanting to, not wanting to be a burden, not wanting to this, not wanting to that. And it is harder to receive than I think some people might realize if they haven't felt that they were in that position. So in this moment right now where you were saying a lot of us are having fires, maybe small fires, maybe big fires, other fires, what is some way that you think we could be receiving or practicing or doing something that can just help us connect to that place inside of us, even if someone isn't used to practicing yoga or meditation? Is there something simple or something that you feel could really help someone who doesn't have necessarily that benefit of years of practice and maybe even a community who's used to trying to help step up and support people? I do, and I've, and I've been trying to share those little short ways to do that because I'm actually working with um, my son's company once a week and we're doing meditation and here are young people and they're not, they don't have practice, but you know what we've learned that taking three to five long steady breaths shifts our, our system, our nervous system. So maybe right now, Heidi, you and I can just sit here, you know, and just wherever you are at home, just sitting in your seat or on the floor, if you're lying down and listen to this, if you're in your car, don't close your eyes, right? But feel where you're sitting or lying down. Where is your body touching whatever it is you're on? So you get a sense of being in this body. And then you just notice as you're in your body, how the body feels, places that feel comfortable or uncomfortable, tight or open. So we begin to create a relationship with ourselves in all the ways that we live this life. And remember that whatever we discover is not anything we've done wrong. 
like just becoming more intimate with ourselves. And then just begin to feel your breath and take three to five without struggle, long, steady breaths and feel how your body fills on the inhale and relaxes whatever you can on the exhale. You might feel the belly and the ribs and the chest expand and then release from the top to the bottom. To so do that a few more times on your own. And just one more breath. And just notice and notice now how you feel. I'm actually aware of my body feeling just a little more open and relaxed. What are you noticing, Heidi? Yeah, I feel as though I'm noticing where I feel a sense of, in a positive way, an airiness or a lightness. I feel a lightness in my chest, a real almost like a tingling and energetic sense it's light there's not a heaviness right now for me after that yeah I agree I feel I feel similar and so I mean there are so many practices we could share of course maybe we'll do another show on those <laughs> or go to our website and check out some of those but we can do that and I had a teacher many years ago who used to say you know if you just breathe for two minutes every hour you'll change that whole time, right? So just imagine like we all have our little phones and our iWatches and all those things. You can set a little beeper and you just stop and breathe for three to five breaths. And I think it would make a difference in how we then do the next moment. Yeah. I think what's so amazing about that too that you're reminding me of is I think that sometimes when we're in a moment that might be feel very charged for us, whatever it might be, it can also feel like a practice as simple of that, as that might not be able to help in the moment. We might think, I'm not even going to try to breathe. What I really have to do is make another list. I'm not even going to try to breathe. I really have to make this phone call. I have all these things to do. The breathing, I'm too wound up. That breathing is not going to help. And I think it's interesting how until we've been able to stop that um, from keeping us from trying. So what I mean by that is when I was younger and started to learn these practices, it didn't come up for me. Like really just try it, it's powerful because in the moment I was feeling overcome and then I would have a teacher who would say to me, let's stop and take a few breaths. And I remember that in that moment I wanted no support to do something, I need to do something. And the person would say, let's take a few breaths. And so after I had seen how we can shift our energy in just a couple of moments from such a different place, I think it seems to me that then the body or somewhere in the mind can remember it has worked before. Let's try it again. So I was hoping you would guide us in those breaths after you mentioned it. And I'm really glad that you did because then we can really for our own selves feel that difference. That's it. That you, you, you described it so beautifully. And I want to remind, especially those of um, listening that are new to this and those of their, but we're just training a new muscle 
we're training, you know, our habits are so strong. No, I need to do something. I need to make another list. No, I didn't. No, I'm too agitated to do anything. No, it's not going to help. With, with, with learning to respond differently. And that takes training too. You know, um, just like when you want to build your biceps or your triceps, you need to lift your weights or do, you know, your chaturangas or your downward dogs or whatever it is that we do in this body. But we have a mind and heart that needs retraining also. You know, we need to train the mind to become more concentrated and the heart to be more open because we've been acting out of our habits and our fears very often, even when we've been on the path for so many years, you know, um, over this time, I was aware, when they say, you know, when the big crisis in your life happened, that's the big spiritual awakening. I was just reading, someone said that it was great. Oh, Norman Fisher, he said, um, difficult times are the most fruitful time for spiritual practice because they are exactly when the practice of patience comes most into play. And I'm like, oh, isn't that the truth? You know, um, <laughs> excuse me. But there was this feeling, I just was like, I just feel so unsettled. And, uh, you know, logically, well, of course you feel unsettled, you know, like you just lost all of that. But then this is, this is what I mean, that then within moments, the, the wisdom came up. It's like, well, well, can you feel settled amidst the unsettled? Like, oh, can you just be okay? Like, okay, you're just feeling unsettled right now. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to figure out how to be, get settled. But there is a place that is already there. Can you be settled and okay amidst the unsettled? And it's like that, right? Like, it's going to happen. Life's going to get uncomfortable. Do I have to make it comfortable or can I just be with the discomfort of it? Such and a different perspective. It's hugely different perspective, you know. Um, and we start to, when we start to practice and learn, I remember being on a meditation retreat and first learning about the mind states, you know, it's like it's, and, I, and you know, for those listening, you know, the states of wanting and not wanting and sleepiness and <clears throat> um, restlessness and, and tiredness and, and I and I rec and I heard that talk and it made so much sense to me. It was a real eye opener that we are not I'm not my thoughts. Thoughts are come up in a particular way. I can identify them for what they are. I can feel them and they're gonna pass. Like that's a whole new relationship. You know? So it, it, you know, and it can be as simple as, well, this is a really pleasant moment, or this is a really unpleasant moment, rather than, oh, I hate this. Oh, I can't wait for it to be over. This, I got to get rid of this. Like, no, this is just feeling really unpleasant. And oh, wow, my chest feels really tight. My whole stomach is clenched. Okay, can I take a breath and relax and just notice this is a really uncomfortable moment? You know, without an add-on. Because that's what we do, or, and that's what we all do, is we add on to the moment. Now, hmm. Something I've been thinking about, that patience that you just said, ways to be with what's uncomfortable. Can you, I love that. Can you be settled in what's unsettled? 
it makes me think about one of the questions I was getting a lot this week as we're having pandemic. Also at the time of this recording, we are in process of election vote counting. And then like you said, you know, you lost your home and other people have, we have a lot of different crises happening at once. And so if there were several people who reached out to me, who said, I know your meditation teacher, how are you? I'm, they were like, assuming I was calm. And they said, how are you staying calm during this time? And I've definitely, you know, again, been a lot calmer than one might, than I definitely would have been when I was younger before practicing yeah. meditation and yoga. And what's interesting for me is part of the calm I'm feeling has to do with what you're saying, but there's this other perspective that I'm having, and I would love your feedback on this. Um, what, what's going on for me is when election day was upon us, my understanding was we are in a marathon, we're not in a sprint. That's how I felt. And what I felt was that the election and, and who ends up being the president next, whoever it is, it does actually matter. Like I'm not dismissing it. It matters greatly. And we all know, whoever you vote for or don't vote for, you all know that this matters who wins. At the same time, we are very aware the country is divided. We are very aware we're in the process of many movements that have had waves over decades. And, and so we are, so I, what I'm loving is that since so many people apparently have come out to vote, apparently many more voters, what I'm hoping is when I take this bigger perspective, what I'm hoping is this is a very big moment, but in a marathon, this is a very big moment in a marathon. So to get all worked up only about this moment, only it, I think, though we can't help it at times, at moments we can't help it, it would be a little bit of a, an energy, I want to say waste, I don't mean a waste, cause, but that we have a long way to go regardless. And so that actually, on the one hand, it's not calming because it's like, oh, nothing's going to be solved in the day. That part isn't the calming part, but the calming part for me is this is a step on a journey that we all are on together. So I just wondered if you could give me feedback on that thought that came up for me and also how that relates to anything you've been thinking of lately. Thank you. Yes, I think we are in a marathon. And I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm, over the years, I haven't been very political, but you can't help but have feelings during this time and how our country is. But it also reminds me also, you know, when we learn in yoga also out of chaos comes transformation. And I, I keep reminding myself of this because it's not just this moment. And you're right, many more people are out voting. There is some big change happening. And, you know, I have to hope and pray that it is good for the benefit. And I do, I think it saddens our hearts to feel the divide because whoever wins that that divide still is. And it's, remarkable and unbelievable to believe the way it is, but it is. Um, and I don't know, Heidi, but I do think you're right. We, I'm going to hold a bigger perspective and hope that out of this chaos is the road to transformation or a new normal um, in the world. And I think it's, it reminds me that's why we continue to practice, we continue to be kind to ourselves and kind to others and try to listen more. I'm learning like, can I listen better? Can I communicate better? Because when 
there are such big divides. How do we understand each other better? And I think the world is asking us that too. You know, there are reasons why we all feel different, not just the not just the headlines or the fears, but there's reasons why to try to understand. I don't have to agree, but at least I can understand where someone else might be coming from and why they are coming from that place. Um, it's the same in family when we disagree and, you know, but this is, and this is really big, this is our country. So I don't know that I answered your question, but those are, that's what's been showing up for me during this time. I don't know about you. I wake up in the morning, kind of do a little inventory. It's like, mm, yep, that anxiety is still there. Hello, how are you today? And I don't think the election's going to get rid of it. And I hope it will help. Um, and we all have our work to do. And the country has its work to do. Yeah, and I love that you brought up the listening because I've always wanted to be a better listener. And I you know, at times I, I figure out something that helps me be, be better. And then other times I think I'm not doing so well. And so one of the things that I just learned recently, which I feel almost 100% certain you know about, is that for me, tools often help me with, with kinds of things that I'm trying to learn how to do. So like that breathing tool that you gave us. And recently, and I know I've heard this before, but it didn't land because it wasn't quote unquote said directly to me. But Someone just reminded me, and this sounds so simple, that I could use the phrase, tell me more. And I, I'm sure you know that phrase, but the reason I'm bringing it up is that when it hit me that someone actually, actually suggested to me, because I've heard it, like I said, tossed about, it landed so well because I thought, well, I do want to say that. Like, that's simple. And I do want to say, tell me more. And then I also realized in my experience, how infrequently I hear that. And that I almost realized that if I start to say that to someone, that will actually maybe sound so new to them because they're so not used to someone saying, tell me more. They're used to, and I do this too, but, you know, being cut off or, and I think I come from, there are people that I know and we sort of cut each other off, but it's like in a loving way, like you're in this dialogue where you just keep interrupting each other. And I know some people are used to that and some people are not. So I've learned that as I've gotten older, but there are people just, for those who don't know, who there's like a way of talking where you keep interrupting and talking over each other and you're just used to it and you're in this actual conversation. Um, so what I want to say is this tell me more, for example, seemed like this simple tool to help me listen better because, and it's a simple question, tell me more. And I'd love to get better at that question. And so I don't know, again, if you have experience with that or another tool of any kind that can help us be better listeners and not so reactive. Yes, I have two things. Number one, tell me more. In our Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy training, you would ask what's happening now and someone would report out what's happening either in their body or what they're aware of coming on your mind. And you would say, tell me more about that pain in your hip or tell me more about remembering when your mother, blah, 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 you know, tell me more. So I very much, and I, I too try to remember when listening, I think you're right. Not only are we interrupting, but thinking already what it is I want to say about that. Right. Like what? Oh, I had an experience like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. And I'm trying harder and harder to just sit back and never miss an opportunity to like, sh to shut up, we would say, <laughs> you know, but the other thing that I need to work on 
And we know this in conscious listening, part of the practice is reflective listening or re remind, reflecting. So what I hear you say is, and report back what it is I heard them say so that there's no confusion. That other person knows that I heard everything they wanted me to hear. I had this recently happen with a family member and I realized I'm not as clear. Right now, anxiety is high. I'm not as clear. I'm not remembering as well. I'm probably not processing. I probably need to reflect back what I heard you say so that you know that I heard it and I know what I'm taking away. So this is actually very up for me right now. Um, but we're learning. Just keep learning anyway. You know, keep trying that tool. You know that tool, Brahms. Why aren't you using that, you know? So I'm, I'm committed to listening better and communicating better, you know, and using my tools because they show up everywhere, not just on my mat. They show up in how I relate to others and how I communicate in the world. I appreciate that. And I, I do really think I've been trying to grab onto some of those communication tools in recent times and also notice when they have completely, when I just couldn't grab for them. You know, I'm, I've, I've had some conversations in the last year, I would say, because so much has been up in so many ways, even just in this last year where I, I really didn't do so well <laughs> and uh, not, I'm not blaming myself or, you know, beating myself up, but I use it as this example of kind of what happened there, you know, what, what happened in me and also I'll tell you, I think it goes back to also the breath. Like if, if I think of like what tool could I have used in the moment, um, I think that's one tool. Not only these, these words that are useful tools, but then that tool of breath. If I would have paused potentially, that might have helped. I think for me, sometimes these tools are more available to me and I'm ready to use them. And sometimes, and usually it's when I'm caught off guard, I realize really caught off guard that I then... Uh, I just forget and I can be much more reactive and the pause could help. That's very good. Thank you. You and I were talking about this before we began also about the pause. And you said to me, don't worry if there are pauses. And, and I said to you, I recognize that I need the pauses. Otherwise I'm, I'm just kind of spouting rather than pausing for a moment to think, what is it I really want to say here? So thank you for the pause. I think that's so important. Thank you for the breath. And I want to say that it is life is just a big practice. It's not a perfect. We're all going to blow it. And we're going to continue to make mistakes and get frustrated. And as I said, it's going to give us reason to love anyway do the best anyway, care anyway, and remember who we really are. But we're human. We're going to stumble and fall and to not give ourselves a hard time about it. It's hard not to. It's hard not to when you, at least I know, I know this stuff. I actually teach this stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> it reminds me, I was really surprised because sometimes I think about, I think about my brother a lot. He's been an important part of my life and obviously always um, we've been close. I know that's not true about all siblings, but we have been close all of my life. And it really struck me because there was a time in his life where he was going through something physical and he wondered, he's like, Heidi, I know you've healed through some tough physical things. He's, he's like, I really wondered if there was any advice you could give me. And I remember my first piece of advice was, I, I remember, cause I said, listen, if you don't want to learn how to meditate, I don't see how you're going to make it through what you're going through right now. The physical part, you know, I was like, it's, because learning to manage pain, if, if you could learn to meditate, I think it's going to help you. So I remember back then suggesting that to him and he got really interested in it and found out other people were doing it and he got interested. That was many years ago. And the reason I'm bringing this up is to tell you what really made me laugh is there was a moment during COVID earlier this year where I had what I'm now referring to as kind of a COVID crash. I think some people end up having this moment where suddenly the crisis felt a little bit overwhelming and a little too much and they sort of had a COVID crash. And so I was feeling very overwhelmed and having a hard time this one week. And I remember telling my brother, like, I'm really having a hard time. And I remember he said, and he was not being facetious. He said, I really think you should meditate. He said, he said, when I, you know, when I meditate a lot, you know, I think it'll help you get perspective. And, and it was just so funny because like you said, I teach this stuff. I've been teaching for years and I was, I was meditating. Um, I was meditating, not as much as I think I could have, I think increasing the practice would have helped. I think what I noticed though, is that I wasn't breathing. <laughs> I wasn't breathing as much. So that became the practice I increased, but it was funny that my brother, and he meant it was very, it felt very sincere and to have that reflected back felt so fascinating and interesting to me as a teacher. And my family knows I teach this and then have one of them say, you know, that tool that you have, I think that would be good. Yeah. So I would love to hear if there's anything you wanted to say about that, but also as, as we wrap this up, people are with their families a lot right now more than in the past. So I don't know if you have anything you'd like to share just as we consider much more time, even if things are going very well with the family, um, just anything you might want to suggest to people as they're going to be with their families for a while, I think. I think this is going to last a while. I want to say life is short. We never know how much time we have to savor the moments. They all sound like cliches, but they're so true. I was talking in fact with Sylvia Borstein and I said, we're talking about, you know, you say goodbye to somebody, you never really know if you're gonna see them again. I said, you know, I, we really don't know. She said, I know, I was talking about this with a friend and I just said, you know, it's all a crapshoot. It's all, <laughs> then my, my esteemed teacher, but it's true. And so I want to say that we are spending time with our families. It's not always easy. Some of it's really precious, but it's an opportunity in this moment in time to remember that we just never know anything and to savor what we have the pleasant, the unpleasant, and the neutral of it. For some reason, this is what's happening. We can go kicking and screaming, or we can look at what are some of the gifts. Because in the midst of any of these challenges and disasters, there are gifts. And that's what I'm seeing and feeling in my own life right now. And 
And I hope everyone else is too. Yeah. That's beautiful. I feel like it's just the great way to end this as we continue on with our day or our night, you know, wherever anyone is who's listening to this. I'd love that as an ending to think about. I love your use of the word savor there. I think that's really a special way to think about that. And I would imagine a lot of people can relate to that, that this is a time to be to be savoring. And I think sometimes it gets harder when it's longer. I think if it's a short thing, it's like, up oh, savored that. I think as it gets longer, we might forget the savoring and the brevity of life and the really uncertainty about how long things will last or not last. So Brahmini, thank you so much for being with me. I enjoyed our conversation as always. I always love to get to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It really was a delight. Thank you for including me in this. I tell you, I, while I love this, I do look forward to the times when we can all be together in person again. And I can be leading retreats with my dear friends, um, you know, Jashoda Edmonds and Asita Nadai and on my own. And um, so stay tuned for all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I always want people to end also telling us how could people follow you or find out more so they can stay updated. What's the best way to, is there a way they can stay in touch with you so they know when your next teachings are live as well as online? Absolutely. So my YouTube channel, Brahmini Liebman, um, our website, journeyintoyoga.com. We'll always have that, have our upcoming teachings and my email. I'm happy for people to reach out at Brahm Yoga, B-R-H-M Yoga at AOL.com, which tells you how old school I am. <laughs> I was noticing you had an AOL.com. <laughs> I, I remember those days. It's funny. I, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> no. Thank you so much. And I will be sure to spell those things out when I post this so people will know how to spell the different ways to reach you. And thank you again so much. My pleasure, really delightful. <laughs>